the Lord this week. Actually, the last few days, I've just been basking in this message, especially since we're coming to the end of this wonderful eight-week in-depth expositional study and searching of this great letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus. Uh, next Sunday's Mother's Day, we're going to have a special guest speaker. You won't want to miss that. Uh, she's a, a marvelous person. She just uh, was accepted to the staff here at Highland, and we just really think we're in for a real treat. Uh, and that'll be uh, Peggy Lively is going to be coming and sharing with us. Uh, what do I want to do today? Today, I just want to underline, I felt that Janet's message last week was so terrific uh, and I just want to underline a few things that she shared concerning the armor of God. And I pray that none of us will miss what God wants to take place in our lives today. Today. So I want to pray again and I want to blow the shofar and pray that the Lord would give us ears to hear what God the Holy Spirit would speak to us today and would go out to all the nations Let's pray. Father, Lord, the armor of God was the summation of this great and profound letter to one of the most disciplined and mature churches in all of Asia Minor at that time. Lord, even you, Jesus, spoke to the believers in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. Lord, you really preface them to be the first that of the churches, seven churches that you speak to, and you had a powerful word to them. They did so many good things. They discerned those who were false apostles. They were doing great works, but Lord, they had left their first love. And Lord, as we've been studying this book, I pray that we would all embrace our first love with God all over again. I pray you give us fresh, passionate love for God. I pray that our relationship with you would only increase in these difficult days and the days to come. So Lord, as I blow the shofar again in Zion, Waco, Highland, prime time, I pray that there'd be a tender sensing of the gentle presence of the living God. Lord, you are welcome in this place this morning. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Be faithful now in this ministry of your word, Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to begin talking about the battle and the war that we are presently in. This is why the armor is so significant. I think it's very sad that there are multitudes, multitudes of believers in Jesus who do not know how to effectively battle in the unseen realm of the spirit. It's sad. It, it's, 
It's got to be so heavy on God's heart. The ancient Jewish prophet may give us the answer as to why this is so. Why so many are unequipped and unprepared. Listen to these words from God through the prophet Hosea. Nidmu ami mabali hadaat. My people are destroyed. They are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6. And the Hebrew word for destroyed is the Hebrew word nimdu. And nimdu, looking at the full expression of nimdu, it, it means undone. Made dumb. Cut down, beat up, destroyed, perished, and brought to silence. Isn't this terrible? These aren't my words. This is God's word. My people are in this condition. God's given this description about his people because here's the reason. They just don't know. God or his ways of God as we need to do. And he makes it very clear. It's because there is ignorance about this unseen war. Ignorance. My people perish because they don't know. And friends, when we become born again, we are birthed into something much bigger than a church. Much bigger than a church. We are grafted into a kingdom that is ruled by a Jewish Messiah. And a king, the Lord Yeshua Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. And we are automatically drafted into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We're drafted. No choice. Once you invite Jesus to be Lord, he takes that commitment and he drafts us into the army. Do you remember the movie, The Wizard of Oz? Dorothy, played by Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Good. Our memories are still kicking in. That's good. <laughs> Judy Garland. Remember, she is brought out of Kansas into an unimaginable place called Oz. And upon arrival, Dorothy is staggered by all the beauty and the wonder of that awesome world. I can relate that to us. Because in Christ, we have been brought out of the natural realm, out of our Kansas, into an entirely new dimension called the kingdom of God. What does that really mean? The apostle Peter expresses it perfectly. 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10. And I'm going to be reading a few passages this morning, all out of the Passion Translation. I want to encourage you, get this translation. It's a new translation, and it is wonderful. Here's what the Passion Translation translates, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Now that God has chosen you, you are a special treasure. You are priests 
who are kings. You are a special spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. And he has called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. And he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time, you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time, you knew nothing about God's mercy because you hadn't yet received it in Christ. But now, his mercy has completely covered you. Friends, we are not in Kansas anymore. Surrendering to Jesus was the beginning of a journey that should keep us in a constant state of awe at the greatness of God. You gain far more than having your sins forgiven, which is monumental in itself. But you and I were delivered out of a kingdom of darkness and were placed into a kingdom of God's light. And these two kingdoms, light and darkness, have been at war for a very long time. Even before the world was created. It's a long battle. And friends, when you and I surrendered to Jesus... It was a declaration of war to all the powers of darkness. That's what it was. That's how the unseen realm sees it. Down here on earth, oh, you become a member of our church. That is so infinitesimal of what took place when Jesus took over. And our God wants us to know that our most powerful and dangerous enemies are not men and women. They are not members of government. They are not authorities that are over us in this world. No, but rather an evil kingdom of fallen angels whose headquarters are in the unseen heavenly realm. They are the enemy. But God, don't you love that phrase? But God in his wisdom and mercy, has provided for each of us with all the weapons that we need to accomplish victory for him. And because our warfare is in the spiritual realm, our weapons and our armor are also spiritual. And the Apostle Paul gives us revelation about the war. And he describes it in 2 Corinthians 10, Verses 3 through 5. Now, I think this is marvelous. Two weeks ago, Pastor John brought out this scripture. Last week, Janet brought out this scripture. And this morning, I'm bringing it out again. This is 3 for 3 of this scripture of 2 Corinthians 10. Listen from the passion. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign by employing human weapons using manipulation to achieve our aims. No, instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. 
We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God's work and break through in every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. And since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Friends, the evil strongholds that we face today, they are all spiritual. They're in an unseen realm that are manipulating physical people, but they're not the problem. They really are not the problem. But we can see in the natural realm the effects of the warfare in the unseen realm. Today, we see huge strongholds of fear. Huge. How about hatred? Hatred is everywhere. Idolatry, racial issues, racial prejudice, religious superstition, religious persecution, sexual perversion. The list is endless. Strongholds showing in the natural realm, the spiritual realm is very active. And we're in a war. We're in war. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 6. I'm just going to highlight a few of the pieces of armor and share a few things that Janet did not last week just to more give a fuller expression of these great personal armament and an arsenal that God has given us in Christ. Verse 10, Ephesians 6:10. Paul starts out saying, finally. Well, this is a sign Paul is coming to the end of his letter. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So what's Paul doing? He's encouraging us to be good soldiers in God's kingdom army, embracing the Lord's strength and power. Now, Janet, if you could... Put on verse, uh, the first slide, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Friends, if we do not have on our armor, we are easy prey for the enemy. As Janet exhorted us last week, we must put the armor on. And we must put on the whole armor, not just part of it. On the battlefield, listen, a soldier who does not wear his helmet is easily numbered among the casualties. We need to be wearing all the armor to be effective in spirit warfare. And notice the fact that God, here, listen, God will not put this armor on us. Each of us have a personal responsibility to ready ourselves and put on our own armor. 
And this fact is so important. Paul mentions it twice in this passage. Twice. He mentions it right here in verse 11. And he also mentions it in verse 13. Which says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. I think it's interesting. First, he says in verse 11, put it on. Then in verse 13, he says, take it up. Now, what does that imply when he says, take it up? It means we've put it, taken it off. We've put it down. Listen, armor is heavy. For that soldier to go out into battle, he had to be well equipped. He had to run up mountains with that armor on to get used to it. We don't like to wear armor because it's heavy, it's costly, it costs time and energy. But he says in verse 13, take it up. Because without it, you will not stand in an evil day. And friends, we have never, ever lived in an evil day like we do today. Amen. Ever. Not in our lifetime. Look at verse 14. Janet, if you could have the second slide. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. You know what? If we're not standing, we're in another position. And as saints, we like to sit a lot. God doesn't want us to sit. He doesn't want us to be brought to our knees. He doesn't want us lying down. He wants us standing. Standing is how you do battle. Having your waist girded with truth. And just as Janet mentioned in the first piece of armor and weaponry last week, it's the first, the belt of truth. Why is truth foremost? Now, Last week, we looked at this slide to represent the sword. But you see the black belt around him? I like this picture of the belt better than the other one because it shows that it even holds the undergarments together. There's a, there's a holding together of truth. Paul writes this in 2 Thessalonians 2.10. He says that in the last days, unrighteous deception will come upon everyone who did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. These are sobering words. He's saying if genuine truth is not wrapped around us, is not wrapped around our hearts and our lives as a strong belt holding us tightly, we may be Deceived. Today, global deception is far more contagious than the virus. Far more. Lies are prevalent everywhere. We can't trust hardly anyone that tells us anything from authoritative positions. But we're in a pattern of trusting our authorities because they used to be held to an account in a standard of truth. But now all truth is relative. It's not absolute. The Bible is no longer the absolute form of truth. 
It's relative. No wonder lies and deception are present everywhere. And the father of lies is contaminating multitudes across the globe. So what must we do with the belt of truth? Love the truth. Believe the truth. Tell the truth. And live the truth. Second half of verse 14. Next slide, Janet. Thanks. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate obviously protects the vital organs in the chest cavity. But at the center of the breastplate is the heart. If your lung is pierced in a battle, you can still live. But if your heart gets pierced, you die. We are warned, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs 4.23. Because, he says, because out of your heart come all the issues of life. A healthy spiritual life depends on maintaining a right heart relationship with God and with one another. But I want you to notice a significant part of the soldier's armor that is not directly mentioned in our text. Look at this. Uh, can you go back to the next slide? Slide number four, babe. Yeah. You see what's right under the belt and underneath the breastplate is the underwear of the armor of a soldier. It's called the coat of mail. This piece of armor was made from hundreds of small pieces of metal which were joined together like fish scales and put over a shirt of cloth or of leather which reached from shoulder to thigh. Next slide, please. Here you can see the interwovings of a coat of mail. And the advantage with this piece of armor is that it gave the wearer movement. Unlike armor made of large sheets of steel that were heavy, it also protected the soldier from arrows and spears that could come and ricochet off the armor of breastplate and go in. It gave protection all throughout the trunk of the body. And because there was a lot of work involved to make these coat of mail, they were expensive. And because they were expensive, they were only given to the most prized people within the armor, the archers, the charioteers, and the officers. The coat of mail covered the soldier so that his own armor could not be used against his flesh, cutting into his flesh, and ultimately be used against him in battle. If you did not have on this armor and you had on your breastplate, all you'd have to do is lift your leg on up and immediately you gash or damage or cut yourself because you have to move quickly in war. This protected you from your own armor. Hmm. And what could this vital covering be linked to in our battle against the enemy? I like what is written in Colossians 3.14, Paul says, above all these things, put on 
love, which is the bond of perfection. Friends, if we do not have love as our bond of perfection covering us, the protective armor of God can work against us, not for us. Truth without love can injure, damage, and devastate. Righteousness without love can become self-righteousness. Faith without love can become arrogant and prideful. You get the picture? We all need to put on love along with all of the pieces of our spiritual armor so that everything is operating out of love. And all of this armor, all of the armor of God is meant to equip us for one thing. Verse 18. Praying sometimes. Praying occasionally. Praying when you feel like it. Praying before you eat. How about that? Praying always. Wow. Praying always with how much prayer? Would you look in your Bibles, please? With what? All. All. All prayer. He couldn't get any prayer. All prayer. It's all important. It's all important. And supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Wow, he's using a lot of alls. This is the finality. This is the conclusion of all the armor. And all prayer is the means by which we engage in the battle and the purpose for which we are armed. So to put on the armor of God is to prepare for the battle. And friends, prayer is the battle. It is the battle. And God's word is our main weapon employed against Satan in our struggle. Why do you think it's so hard for us to pray? Hey, it's hard for everyone in this room, period. I'm not going to ask you to show of hands because you're busted. We've all, it's hard for all of us. Why? Why is it so hard? Pastor John is teaching a series in this time called, here we go. A couple of memories are in operation over here. Change my mind. Wow. How perfectly timely. Friends, this needs to be our heart cry in these dark days. Lord, transform and renew me in the spirit of my mind. You see, our thinking determines our actions and our belief system. Our thinking determines that. And in regards to prayer, hear me now. If you do not believe that your prayers are powerful and effective, 
then the enemy already has a stronghold in your mind. The enemy knows the strength of all prayer. He knows its strength. He's seen it work all throughout the millennia. And he will do everything to keep us from the battlefield. And of all the armor, only the sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon of attack. And even the sword is effective only as far as the reach of the soldier. But this weapon, get this, this weapon of all prayer is not subject to that limitation. It's not. All prayer is our ICBM. It's our intercontinental ballistic missile against the enemy. Why do I say that? Because focused prayer directed by the Holy Spirit can reach across continents. This is why this morning we can pray for those in India and it's just as effective as if we were there. Amen. It reaches across continents, across oceans and can strike with stunning accuracy at any target. Can you sense why the enemy doesn't like this? It is a power source of where the battle really lies. And this is another reason why the enemy will do anything and everything to keep you and me from praying. All prayer is the most powerful and effective of all the weapons in the Christian arsenal. And yet somehow the church has been wooed to a place of believing it's not really that effective. Do you know that for the last number of decades, the least attended gathering within the church is the prayer meeting? I think the devil's probably pretty successful. He's gotten the church to put prayer off as well. Yeah, they're at the prayer meeting. Not realize that that's the battle zone and we're being wooed away from it. We're being wooed away. We're in agreement with others. I, Jesus made it so simple. Listen, you don't need 100,000 to have it be effective. He said, wherever two or three are in agreement and praying, my will to be done and my kingdom come, you know what? It's going to happen. Maybe not the way we're asking, but we submit it to him and he creatively supplies the answers. Amen. And the whole purpose of prayer is not to get answers. The whole purpose of prayer is to know God in a greater way. That's the real source of prayer. It's knowing him. Listen, a marriage is in trouble if they never talk to each other. It's built on communication. And so was our relationship with God. From day one of being born again, we started talking to God. And he heard our communication and immediately started communicating back. 
You remember the testudo that Janet mentioned last week? Janet, can you put up that slide? This is a great visual of corporate prayer. Take this picture in your mind. This is what the corporate prayer meeting looks like. It's protected from the onslaught of the enemy and is powerful to push through the walls. Now remember, Paul's audience to whom he's writing this book, the Ephesians, were under Roman domination. That's why they could relate to these pieces of the armor. They saw them every day, all day. And Paul was encouraging this church that God's army, not the mighty Roman Empire, God's mighty kingdom army, has greater weapons and is far more powerful. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little emotional, but I feel it. I feel it. Each soldier was not only to protect himself, but also be willing to fight with and for his brothers or sisters that are in the battle. Get the picture, praying always with all prayer. All prayer is how the battle is won. Let that get branded into your hearts. All prayer is how the battle is won. And all of our armor is meant to put truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation and the word of God and love into our prayers. All of those things into our prayers. Truth into our prayers. Faith into our prayers. Righteousness into our prayers. All of the armor is meant to be put in prayer. All prayer. All prayer. This is the armor of God in action. So right now, as the Tustado in the Fellowship Hall, the prime timers who are gathered together this morning, we're going to pray through the armor of God together using the sheet on your table. Do you all have, it says praying through the armor of God, Ephesians 6, do you all have one? Is there anyone that does not? Good, you all have. I want us all to read this together, okay? Because we're the, we're the testudo. We're the united force that is gathering with all of our shields up, our armor, our deflecting of the enemy, and this is how we're going to put on the armor of God and take up the armor of God through our praying. Let's start out. Father, again, Father, I approach you today because of the blood of the Lamb of God and in the name of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for the covenant we share because of Jesus' awesome sacrifice. Lord, I want to dress myself in spiritual armor. So I put on the belt of truth. I choose to speak truly, live truly, 
and walk in uprightness and faithfulness with others. May all that I do and say be today be honest and true. Please free me from all deception, pretense, and lies. Holy Spirit of truth, please reveal truth to me any and all areas where I am deceived or prone to deception so that I can be on guard against it. Reveal to me any area where I am dishonest or hypocritical. Next place. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, covering my heart and internal organs with your righteousness. Please clothe me in your robes of righteousness. Set me apart for your will and glory. Help me to walk in righteousness with you and with others. Show me any relationships that are out of order that I need to make right. I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. By your grace, I will face the enemy with firm-footed stability, ready at all times to share the gospel with anyone you send to me. I will walk in peace and establish your peace wherever I go. I lift up the shield of faith against the accusations and lies of the enemy. I will not believe his lies about God's character, his condemnation of others, nor his condemnation of me. I choose to live by faith, trusting in the Lord, believing him and his word. I take the helmet of salvation and cover my head with your priorities, purposes, and values. You have covered my head in the day of battle. I hear, may I hear your voice clearly and perceive what you are doing so that I can do that with you. And I take the word of God to fight offensively against the wicked one. I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, please give me insight and revelation into your word. Help me to faithfully read and study it and to understand it. Help me to pray at all times, on every occasion in the spirit, interceding for the saints. May your kingdom be extended through my prayers today and through all believers everywhere. Please open doors of opportunity for the gospel. May your people recognize those open doors, walk through them, and boldly proclaim your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Lord, you've just heard all of our voices, and even though we were reading from a piece of paper, Lord, you're the God who reads our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we'd have some heart transformation. Help us to change 
our mind. To change the way in which we think. Lord, we, we've been pretty set in our thought patterns for a long time. But you're the God of miracles. You can take that which has been patterned and ruts that are in our thinking and deliver us out of those places and begin to move us up the mountain of the Lord. Lord, we're in, we're in foxholes and trenches that sometimes have been so deep that as soon as we get out, we, we don't get far enough and we slide right back in to that pattern. This is a day I pray, Holy Spirit, help us to get out of these trenches, of these mindset patterns. And now, Lord, may the top of the mountain be our goal because Jesus the King is at the top of the mountain. We choose to ascend. We choose to go upward. We choose to take every step forward because the battle is already raging all around us. Father, I want to pray that you'd forgive us for so easily taking off our armor. And Lord, some of us have had it off for a while that it's even probably getting a little bit rusty. But Lord, today you are encouraging us by your spirit and by your apostle, take it back up. Put it back on. Lord, this is the only effective way that we can wage all prayer warfare effectively. So thank you that you're challenging us in this day to move out of where we are to a place that you have destined for us. I pray we quit looking back to what we once were while you are calling us to come to a place that we've never been before. You're the God of all flesh. You're our commander-in-chief and you're leading us onward and upward. And Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us every step of the journey today. Today, right now, today. That will spill over until tomorrow and the next day and the next and all this week and all this month and all of the rest of our lives. Lord, I pray that we'd be good soldiers in your army. You are Adonai Tsevaot, the Lord of heaven's armies. It's not just one army. You're in charge of lots of armies. And thank you, Lord, that we, we, we are members of your army. We are in. We are in. Because you have called us to the battle. And Lord, it's going to accumulate and it's going to intensify all the way till the day of when the triumphant king returns with Sevaot, with the armies of, the God, of God. And you're going to take over this planet and you're going to rule with a rod of iron 
and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Yeshua, who Adonai, he is Lord. Thank you that you already have our knee bowed. And thank you that you already have taken our surrendered hearts. So take the offering of ourselves today, Lord, anew and afresh. And thank you for the concluding words of Paul to this great church in Ephesus. Lord, we hear the finality of what you're saying. Finally, take up the whole armor of God. And we put it on today and we leave this room fit for the master's use and fit for the master's battle. To the glory of God expressed in Jesus. Amen.